If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me again to the Gospel of Matthew, the 22nd chapter. pick up our reading at verse number 34. Matthew 22nd chapter, verse number 34, it says, but when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him, and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second one, then the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. From this passage of scripture, we would like to title this message, Do You Love God? Now, before you answer that question, you need to understand what it means to love God. The better question to ask is, do you really love God? Because understanding loving God comes with great difficulty. Loving God is not always easy. Most people love God in word, but they don't love him in their deed. You see, because when you love God, when you really love God, then you're obedient to God. For he tells us in his word, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. When you love someone, you, 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 you try to do what that person says do. When you really love an individual, you try to please them in how you live your life. Most certainly we all understand this. We all claim to love somebody, whether it be mother, father, Sister, brother, husband, wife, we claim to love them. But what does our actions really show? In other words, is there any proof in the pudding that you love this individual? The reality of it is is that love comes in many different facets. We love people and we try to give people the things that they want. We try to be a blessing to them. We try to honor them. But then there comes a time that we love people enough that we're able to tell them the truth. And that's what God does with us. That's how God loves us. God loves us so much that he tells us the truth about ourselves. And I'm solely convinced that we cannot love one another effectively unless we first love God. For the Bible said that God is love. 
And if we have God living inside of us, if we have Christ living inside of us, it compels us to also reciprocate love. And that's why I really can't understand how some of us as Christians can be as mean-spirited and as backbiting as we can be. Why, why is it that we can't show the love that Christ showed to us? Why is it we can't demonstrate that same type of love that Christ demonstrated to us? The Bible said that when we were without strength, Christ died for us. He gave himself for us. He's seen us in our weakened condition. And how can you say that you love God in whom you have not seen, but yet hate your brother who you see on a daily basis? So one of the key indications of whether or not you love God is whether you love each other. And what kind of example are we showing towards that? Yes, everybody can say and raise their hand, yes, I love God. We can say that first commandment, that first great commandment, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy mind, thy soul, thy strength. But we can't say it about loving our neighbors as ourselves. There's great reservations with saying that. But if we have Christ living inside of us, then we should be willing to love to that degree. What, 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 what does this love look like? This is, this is what's known as, as biblical love. It is the word agape. It is a selfless, sacrificial, and an unconditional love. This is the love that God has for us. This is the love that God has placed inside of us. You say you love him. You sing about loving him. You talk about loving him. But what, what are you really demonstrating? Once you come into Christ Jesus, the selfishness should go away. You, you, you should be willing to make sacrifices demonstrating the same type of love that God gave us. Because God sacrificed himself. He sacrificed his son for us. No greater love does a man have for his friend than he lay down his life for him. How many of us are really willing to lay down our lives for God? How many of us are willing to lay down our lives for each other? How many of us are willing to lay down our lives for the word of God? You see, we live in a wicked and a perverse world today. There, there is really nothing godly about the world in which we live about. This whole world system is messed up. And it is anti-God. It is anti-love. Everyone wants to look out, look out for me, myself, and I. And one of the key indicators of whether or not you are living the love of God is, are you still selfish? Are you still just looking out for yourself? These, these are tough questions to ask. These questions require your honesty with yourself. 
And if you've never been honest with yourself, this is a time, a good time for you to be honest with yourself. What kind, how, how am I showing love? Who have I blessed lately? You see, because you know that you are in the image of God, right? The same thing that God does, you need to be doing is showing the same expression. But we have to be honest with ourselves. Are, are, are you still fighting people? Are you still cursing and getting back at people? Are you still lying to people? Are you still deceiving people? Well, if you have the love of Christ in you, can't dwell in the same temple. And understand this all, we have to take it all back to God. Because he's the only one that can give you what you need. He's the only one that can give this love. And so are you still selfish? Or are you selfless? When you get up in the morning, are, are, are you looking how you can be a blessing in someone's life? The second thing is that if you're loving, how are you sacrificing? The Bible said that we are to, 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 uh, to, to render our lives unto God as a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice, we're still living, but we are constantly in a mode of sacrificing. And that requires sometimes giving up our rights for somebody else's wrong. So sometimes it's, it's, it's a being quiet. Don't say it. Every, every, every action don't require our response. But there, there are times you need to just pray about some things. There's some time that you need to go down on bending knees and offer up a sacrifice of prayer to, to this individual. But no, we're, we're, we're too busy serving ourselves. And we can't serve ourselves and serve God at the same time. God is a jealous God. He won't share you with even you. You've been bought with a price. There was an awesome price that was paid for you. There was an awesome sacrifice that was made for you. So, so are we really loving God? Well, I come to find out that most people are not really in a relationship with God. There are some people who are just dating God. They, they, they just around God. They're going on a date with God. They're, they're really not interested in getting to know God. They, 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 they love to hear good sermons preached. You'll be amazed at the people who are sitting in churches that really don't love God. That this is just a social function for them to come together and be around other people and, 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 and raise their hand and say, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. But they're not really interested in getting into a relationship with God because getting into a relationship with God requires some effort. It's difficult to have a real relationship with God. 
And then there was a, there was the one that want to shack with Jesus. These are the people that just like what God can do for them. You, 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 you don't really want a relationship with them. You just want the benefits, friends with benefits. That's what you really want. You don't want no real commitment with God. You just want what God has for you, what he, what he can do for you. You, you. you want the blessings of God. But you don't want the sacrifice to come along with the blessings. You don't want the commitment that comes along with the blessing. You just want God to do for you. Just shacking with Jesus. That's all, that's all you're doing. Just like in a shacking relationship. It's just a benefit thing. It's just us getting together and staying together. We, there's no real commitment there. And there are those that are in the church that are just shacking. They're not really committed to Jesus Christ. That, 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 that's why when you ask them to do something in the church, they say, let me check my schedule. Let, 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 let me check my calendar. Let me pray about it. Instead of just getting up and saying, okay, for your glory, God, I'll do it. That you might be glorified, I will do it, God. Because if you had no commitment to Christ, you have no commitment to his church. You have no commitment to ministry work. You do it when it's convenient for you. Regardless of the fact what God has sacrificed for you. Oh, it is convenience. But understand, it takes a sacrifice. If Christ sacrificed himself on the cross, then who are we? If Christ gave himself on the cross, then who are we? Listen here, listen here. Jesus gives this text after a series of run-in with the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Herodians. Now, if anybody should know that they were to love the Lord that God, it should have been them. Deuteronomy 6 tells them that they are to love the Lord that God with all thy heart, thy mind, thy strength. They ought to know what it means to love God. They were the ones that, that, that were interpreting and giving the people the law. So they ought to see what Jesus and God really looked like. They should have known that Jesus was God in the flesh, that he was the son of God. But yet again, by their own selfishness, their own pride, they missed the whole boat. And so Jesus gives a series of parables and he's calling them on the carpet on their sin. In the first verse, he talks about, the second verse, he talks about a king who was giving a wedding for his son. And he sent out an invitation to the wedding goers, told them to save the date. My son is getting married. And you are cordially invited to this wedding. With them being as puffed up that they are, they declined it. They said we, they rejected him. It was like, thanks, but no thanks. We won't be there. And understand, this is, this is, this is a slap in the face of God. 
Understand what God had did for the children of Israel. He brought them out of Egypt. He gave them water from wells that they did not dig. He did not let their feet swell. He gave them manna from heaven. Water from a rock. He had demonstrated and shown his love for them. But yet they were all puffed up. In their pride. Listen, don't, don't, don't sleep on them because some of us are the same way. After all that the Lord has done for you, some of y'all God has brought over some mighty big mountains and yet still, you still will reject him. We, we, we still don't see the love in which God demonstrated towards us. This world every day is rejecting Jesus Christ. Rejecting what he came to do for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He did not say that he died for just Christians. He died for the sins of the world. That Mr. or Mrs. whosoever. That's all of us. If you just receive it. He's given us a love gift. A gift that's birthed out of love. A gift that continued to love the whole 33 years he was on the earth. A gift that culminated at Calvary's cross when he stretched out his hands, took the nails in his hand, took the nails in his feet. It was all an act of love. It was love that was nailed to the cross. He did it because you could not do it for yourself. He rose on the third day. But people are still rejecting it. And the sad reality of it is there are some folk in the church that are still rejecting it. You don't even really understand the concept of what God came to do. You're, you're, you're still trusting in yourself and your own abilities. You're still trusting in the good works that you do. It ain't about your good works. Because all of our good works are as filthy rags before God. It's about our faith in Jesus Christ. It's about our trust in Jesus Christ. It's about us depending on the Lord Jesus Christ. All of that comes from the love that God has for us. He ain't obligated to do nothing for us. But it's the love of God that compels him. It's the love of God that keeps allowing him to demonstrate his love for us. Listen here. Jeremiah put like, he said, God has loved us with an everlasting love. Do you really know what that means? There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Not time, not tribulation. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. But also in his love, God will tell us the truth about ourselves. God lets us know when we're on the wrong path. We're walking on that wide road. God talks to us. 
The Holy Spirit convicts us, lets us know when we are on the wrong road, lets us know when we're walking contrary to God's word. But will you hear it? So Jesus deals with these, 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 these Pharisees and these Sadducees. He deals them based on their selfishness, based upon their hypocrisy. These were people who, 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 who looked the part outwardly. But as he said in the scripture, they were filled with dead men's bones. These are the folk that had a form of godliness, but denied the power thereof. They appeared to be on the right road. But the reality of the matter is that they were on their way to hell. And some of us are doing the same thing. If you're not sure of anything in life, you make sure you are in the faith. Ephesians says, examine yourself. Take inventory of yourself. Look inward. Look honestly. Look deep. Examine your motives and your intent. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Is it to be seen of men or is it to be that God might be glorified? Because yes, even in, even in Christ Jesus, some of us can get off. We start thinking it's more about us than it is about him. And that's been my prayer, God, if I ever get to a point to where I think it's more about me than it is about you, God, stop me in my tracks. Because I don't ever want to get to that place to where it's about me. I don't ever want to get to a place to where I start robbing God of his glory as if I could anyway, because God will always be glorified. And so... They send one who is a lawyer to Jesus. Now understand, this is not a lawyer in the sense that we think it is a lawyer. This is perhaps a scribe. This, is, was a, this person was an expert in the law of Moses. And so this man came with a wicked agenda because he already knew the scriptures. Why? Because he's the one that was the scribe, the one that wrote it out. He knew exactly what the scriptures said. And he's saying this that he might trick Jesus and catch him in his words. But understand that you can never trick Jesus. G G G Jesus knows all things. Jesus knew his thought even before he spoke it out of his mouth. Jesus knew his heart. He knew his motive. He knew his intent. And just like he knew his motive, his intent, he knows ours as well. And so he wants to know, this lawyer, this scribe, what is the greatest commandment? And understand that there were 613 commandments. We know of the 10. But understand this, that no matter what commandment Jesus gave, it could be scrutinized by somebody. Jesus understands he sees this. 
He sees the trap. He, he sees it coming. And he identifies the man as being a hypocrite. He identifies him as being one that is, was supposed to be a lawgiver, a law interpreter. But yet you come to me with this mess. And so Jesus tells him, quite frankly, he said the first and the greatest law is that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. Three areas there. Now understand, those areas there are really encompasses the total man. What Jesus is saying is that, that, that it's not about your exterior things that you do, but it's what's down on the deep down on the inside of you. That is what determines whether or not you love God or not. If you don't have the love of God deep down inside of you, you cannot love God like he deserves to be loved. And a lot of us, again, are just treating Jesus like we dating him. We're infatuated with him. But it's not down in the heart. Because the Bible tells us that if we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. For with the heart, man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. This whole thing is about the heart. It's about the soul. It's about the, the, the mind. The heart of you is who you are. The soul is your attitude, your disposition in God. You were just a bunch of clay dirt until God breathed the breath of life into us. And we became a living soul. So it's not enough for you to just come to church. That, that, that doesn't demonstrate that you love God. That just demonstrates that you could get up in early in the morning, get in your car, and come out to church. But it's your attitude towards God. It's your affection towards God. It is your obedience towards God. And here he said that you must love God with everything that you have. God does not want you to hold anything back. So how can we demonstrate our love for God? Number one, we demonstrate our love for God as we spend time with God. You can't love folk unless you spend time with them. You get a chance to know them. Understand what they feel and how they feel about things. And so we do that by prayer and dedication and devotion to his word. Every day should be a time of devotion, getting up and spending some time with God. Getting up, studying his word. And then if you've prayed and you studied his word, spend some quiet time in meditation and just hearing what God has to say to you. That's a good way to demonstrate your love for God. And then there's time that we need to demonstrate our love to God by coming out and worshiping him corporately. 
Spend some time in the house of God. And when you come in here, don't come in here just to sit down. There's a plenty enough work for all of us to do. So we love God by how we worship him. By how we serve him. And then thirdly, we worship God by how we obey him. And this is the critical part here. Because many of us, many of us, we we want to say that we love God. But we don't want to really obey what God has said in his word. And one of the most difficult parts of it is loving one another. You see, because what Jesus said, he said, he said that in these two great commandments, all of the law and the prophets rest on these two laws here, which is the law of love. Well, well, how is that possible? Well, it's possible because if you love God, you won't steal, you won't rob, you won't murder. If you love God, you'll keep his holy day. If you love God, you'll come out to the house of worship. You'll give God corporate praise and worship. You come and be a blessing to those who are around you. We are here to bless one another and to bless God as well. So, so, so we, 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 we bless him. We love God or we demonstrate our love for God on how we take care of one another. To demonstrate that love for, for God and how we love each other. As a matter of fact, the church should be the most loving place in the world. As a matter of fact, hypocrites should feel uncomfortable in the church of God. People are, who are unloving should feel uncomfortable in this loving environment. Why? Because there was a great price paid for us. And the reason why we are a church, a unified church, is because we've learned how to love one another. And that comes from God. You see, God does not just love. God is love. It is the essence of who he is. And he's put that inside of every believer. I'm not talking about no fluffy emotional love. I'm talking about a sacrificial love. Whereas you're willing to sacrifice yourself. You're willing to stand in the gap. You see, because when you love people, you'll stand in, you'll pray for people. You'll, you'll, you'll see people hurting. Because they're hurting people that are in the church. There are people who have walked away from the church because the church has been unloving. And have not helped them in their times of need, of hurt, of despair. That's for us. So if you really want to see whether or not you're loving God, how are you loving people? Jesus loved us enough that he sacrificed his life. Yes, he did. He looked at us with an eye of pity. He's seen our condition. 
And I don't know about you, but he's seen me right there at the vestibule of hell. He knew I was on my way to hell. And he looked beyond my faults. And he seen what I needed. And what I needed was to be blood washed. I need to have my sins forgiven. And he's the only one that could do that. No one else could do that. So he came down from heaven and wrapped himself in flesh. He demonstrated how we're to love. He exemplified love, compassion. There were many a time that Jesus cried. He wept out of compassion for the people because he realized there were sheep that were lost and without a shepherd. And so Jesus took on that as the good shepherd, the one that was able to, to, to lead and to guide them. He led them to Calvary's cross. Yes, he did. He gave his life on Calvary's cross for our sins. He took the punishment that we could never take. He took the beating that we could never take. Don't you know that they beat him with a cat and nine tail? They beat him till he didn't even look like a man. They marched him on up Golgotha's hill. Nailed him on a cross. Put nails in his hands. Put nails in his feet. My God, my God. Put a crown of thorns on his head. They mocked him. Spit in his face, saying all manner of cruelties to him. And the only words that came out of his mouth was, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. He said, Father, into thine hands I commend my spirit. He gave up the ghost and he died on Calvary's cross. He gave his life for us. That's good news, but what's better news is that they put him in a tomb. And on the third day, he rose with all power of heaven and earth in his hands. He rose victoriously over sin, death, and the grave. So therefore, we shall rise as well. I don't have to worry about hell anymore. My faith in the Lord Jesus Christ has given me the victory over these things. And one day he's going to come back for me. One day he's going to crack the sky. He's going to call with the shout of the archangels and I'm going to be caught up. And to forever be with the Lord. I'll always be with him. This is what God did for us. This is because his love for us. And we will look at his love for us. And then compare it to our love for him. It pales in comparison. But we need to do what we can do. To show and to demonstrate our love to God. God, whatever you want me to do, whatever you have me to go, God, I'll go, I'll do. Why? Because you love me. You went where I could not go. And so I'll go where you tell me to go, God. So do you love God? Think about it before you answer that question. Do you love God? Can it be seen? Is there a demonstration of your love for God? Because the Bible tells it that there can be. So do you love God? Because God first loved us. Please stand to your feet. The door to the church is open.
Is there one that will come? If you don't know Christ and the free pardon of your sin, if you're still on that wrong road, that road that leads to destruction, you can come now.